And we are rolling. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the Mayfair Podcast. So are you on drugs? <laughs> you didn't say who you were. Oh, I'm Andrew. <laughs> this is Josh. I'm Lee. That was the worst introduction. Yes, it was. Yeah, it suits me. You're hepped up on pastries and coffee. That's right. I haven't had that lunch today. Uh, it is... March 8th, we'll be chatting about movies from March 9th through 15th, 2018. We're on the aftermath of our Oscar party, which was great. It was sold out. It was packed. It was a good show, I thought. Kind of the, the awards got spread around. Everybody got a couple of awards. Yep. I was very happy for Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro, Francis McDormand. A lot of people I liked won awards. So yeah, it was a good night. The Phantom Thread was the big winner. I just wonder in 20 years from now, we'll... It'd be listed, you know, winner of best costume design and winner of the jet ski. Right, yes. <laughs> the costume yeah. designer won the jet ski, but that film earned him a jet ski, so I think that should be an accolade. That all, always should be there for the film. That'll be on the posters from <laughs> now on. <laughs> yeah, Daniel it should be on the, Lewis on on the back of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> the jet ski winner. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, it was a pack night. I think Lee said we sold 200 membership cards or something like that. Eight, I think. Yeah. Mm. And it's always a weird night because it's not a lot of regulars. I, I can't explain the I anomaly. I know. But it's so it's 200 people who have never been here before yeah. coming to the Oscars. And I think a lot of them don't come back. I, I think, know. I think I they're just too. here for the party and not the award. Yeah. It's really weird. It's, yeah. Some must come back, but it's. Uh, we've been in the midst of a great run of Oscar movies doing well. And then to cap it off with the Oscars, I got a call. We always get calls from Carlton or from kind of local papers, and it's appreciated, but I admit sometimes it's just like, oh, I got stuff to do, you know? So when I was working on Monday, no, sorry, Tuesday, I got a call from somebody who wanted to do an interview about the Oscars, and I said, well, I'm about to let people in in three minutes. Do you mind calling back in half an hour? And they wanted to ask specifically about the Oscars, and the question was, I guess it had the worst ratings ever. Right, yeah. And... He was surprised when I said, "Oh, well, we were packed." <laughs> so, and he's but then he asked me, "Well, why do you think that is?" And I was like, "I don't know anything about television, but I do know that the rating system is a sham." So it's yeah. it's, it's uh, everyone's watching Netflix. Everyone's watching yeah everything but television. Or they record it and then you know was zap it? through it without commercials later or whatever. When was the last time you watched ABC, NBC, oh, I know. CBS, CBC? Any of those regular channels. In on my TV. I've got kids in my house. It's always YouTube or Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And there's almost... Or the Impractical Jokers. We were talking about... Show. Like, there's almost a nostalgia for my old madness is... I remember the good old days, and on a Saturday night, my nerd friends and I would be so excited because at 7 o'clock, Star Trek Next Generation would be coming on. And compare <laughs> that to nowadays of, say, like... Stranger Things, you're like, no, you just watch it whenever yeah, you want. Like I can, I can't tell you, Josh and Andrew, my good friends. Yes. <laughs> how excited I was for the finale of Star Wars Rebels. I've been watching Clone yeah. Wars since 2004, and you know it all came down to uh, Monday night. But I didn't watch it Monday night. No. Uh, I had a PVR and watched it uh, Tuesday night with my kids and my, and my wife. I wanted to do that. I wanted it not just be a singular experience. So maybe maybe the Oscars were watched by just as many eyes yeah, but not at that moment exactly. and that's yeah. what they're counting on that's what they're counting their their um, Nielsen Nielsen yeah. yeah I remember when I was a kid there was only five billion people alive in the world right now there's like eight 
and Andrew. <laughs> Plus one. But when the Oscars were on as a kid, and I used to be able to stay, I used to come home from school, go to sleep at 3.30, wake up at 9 and watch the Oscars. That's what my parents would no, do. I... And stay up late and do that. And when I was a kid, I remember a billion people would watch it worldwide. So one-fifth right. of the entire planet were watching it at that moment. And it's not that great. It's, it's a bunch of bad jokes. And, <laughs> like... It's not that great if you don't really like movies. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine... You know your average moviegoer giving a shoot, a shit or shit. I know over uh, the, costume de- <laughs> the costume design or sound oh, yeah. editing or sound mixing. I love those categories. I particularly the sound mixing and sound editing. I like to see who wins. I like to see who's nominated. But I, I, I thought that to myself watching it at the Oscars. This, this son, who, who in the room cares about this moment? Oh, yeah. Except for me and a handful of people I know. Well, wait, when they have like the best. Short film, it's always like even I don't care about no. It's like it's like here's the never see them. Here's the award for the best thing that nobody has seen. Well, the Bytown shows those, and that's cool, and I think they do all right with that. And then, but I imagine maybe more people in Ottawa see that because of the Bytown, probably than Oscar and people in the Union who actually vote for Oscars. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I always thought it would be a good idea to split them up and make the other show entertaining as well. Like get somebody really funny to host it. Like and, an online thing, a YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, or played on Bravo or, or one of those kind of more like artsy channels, you know. But have that be all the technical awards and then mm-hmm. have the more star-studded one be the actors, the writer, the director, the film. And it would cut it in half. Yeah. You'd have two different shows. One call it the technical Oscars and one the Oscars. Well, they have the Governor Awards, right? Yeah, and put that on there too. Put the Governor Awards with the technicals. Because yeah. I remember they showed one a couple of years ago and somebody like Scarlett Johansson was hosting it. And it looked like a way better show yeah. than the real show. <laughs> Andrew, I was about to say, Josh should be running Hollywood. But if that was the case, we'd have ten sequels to Goonies. <laughs> the Goonies. <laughs> oh, man. We'd have a Goonies universe. would <laughs> be all these Goonies spinoffs. <laughs> the Goonies universe. Oh, sorry. The Goonies, the Goonies uh, franchise. I'd be, I'd be firing the Jurassic World director off of Goonies 2. <laughs> Richard Donner would be a very oh. busy man. Did you read about John Favreau today? No. What did he He's do? He's been hired now by Lucasfilm officially to write and produce the live-action television oh. for the Disney streaming service. I thought you were going to see another movie. I'm like, how many more movies are they going to do? No, well, yeah, I guess he's now in the Star Wars universe because Solo, he plays that forearmed character on the Falcon. Oh, okay, he's a yeah. a forearmed character on the Gunner. That's John Favreau. Right. And now he and my, and my wife asks, is this exciting for you? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's not directing. I, I don't know. John Favreau's probably a really nice guy. Yeah, he's like a nice great guy. father, too. You did, like, <laughs> I like, what did you do? I liked Iron Man. I thought Swingers. Iron Man was good. Well, I liked he's in Swingers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. liked. I remember seeing Swingers at the time and loving that movie. But like he was an actor first. Yeah. No, I no, I, I'm I, no, I'm not thrilled by Iron Man. No. But you know what? Elf is excellent. Elf is great. I, I don't know. I shouldn't like Elf. Yeah, it is. And good. I wouldn't tell most of my friends, even though I'm on a podcast right now. For yeah. <laughs> but Elf, I can't not unlike that movie. Elf is. I could watch it every Christmas, and we played it here a number of times. And there's a couple times where there's songs or like the montage of Buddy the Elf doing something funny, yeah. and it just, it's right up there with legitimate Christmas classics yeah. for me, like The Grinch or TV stuff, you know. But I love Elf, yeah. Uh, John Favreau's second now celebrity that I met John Favreau with my wife at Slam Dance. Okay, and I wish I knew then, yeah, <laughs> what I knew now that he's going to be a big part of the Star Wars universe. And I introduced my kids a few years ago here in Ottawa to Malcolm McDowell who's now oh, yeah. a new character in Rebels. 
Ah, yes. And I, I wish I knew then, because I met him, and I was excited to meet him, and I was like, kids, you can never watch any of his movies. Yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but now, you know, I, the kids were excited to have met him because of Rebels. But it's like, speaking of franchises, and I think, I was talking about this before, it's a blur whether I talk about this on the podcast or not nowadays, but somebody was asking about all the movies we're getting and how it's great, and we're showing these Oscar films where... A little while ago, that would have been three months from now. Shape of Water would have played maybe three or four times, maybe five times. Yeah. Day, for, not, for nine weeks. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But I said it's an interesting thing where we and the multiplex are able to not step on each other's toes more and more. Because, mm. like, upcoming, there's a Star Wars movie, an Avengers movie, and Deadpool coming out back to back to back. It's Avengers. It literally, it's, yeah. it's actually Tomb Raider. Right. Pacific Rim. Ready Player One. Oh my God! Avengers. Yeah. Deadpool, Deadpool, and the next week is Solo. It's like, yeah. How is anything going to make any money? And so, what's good for us? What am I? What am I worried? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that You're a stockholder? When, when they go to say, you know, do you guys want to play Lady Bird, Shape of Water, The Post? They're like, we don't have room, and then we get them. Isle of Dogs is in there too. Sorry, I said. Oh, that one. I hope we get that one. God damn, that looks good. Oh, it's gonna be so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? Um, Wes Anderson. One be- one best director at, at Venice. Oh, cool. Last week, yeah, it looks great. I talked to Fox. I was book- I was uh, doing the bookings on Monday, and she told me she saw Isle of Dogs and loved it. And I said, I just watched Fantastic Fox, Mister Fox, last night with my son, and asked her if it's better. And she goes, she took a breather. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is better. Ah, oh, I loved it. Fantastic Mister Fox is. Oof, I like I like his animated films because even though they're animated. It still distinctly looks... Yeah, yeah. it's him. It's amazing. It's, that, he's got a voice. He's got a penmanship. Yeah, and even yeah. though it's like a different thing, because he's not talking with actors or moving a camera around, he's talking to animators, that that still translates? It's, yes. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's the way good. they did the sound, too, and fantastic, Mr. Fox, that they like recorded it in barns and stuff, and like right. on location. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, that's... that's uh, he. I, I think he was working with Skywalker Sound. On that, yeah, it's really. I love it. It makes a big difference when people pay attention to sound design, sound mixing. A friend of mine worked on Rango, the animated film that what's Johnny his name Depp? directed the Johnny Depp movie. Gore Verbinski, that, yeah, Gore Verbinski directed, and he said, and his job was essentially. I just got a resume from him. He wants to work at the Mayfair. Gore Verbinski, yeah, he's not making movies. <laughs> After, I think he wants to. I offered him a candy bar position. I've never After Lone Ranger, they're like, uh, "Sorry, Gore, you're done." But there's a, he said it was really fun because Gore didn't know how to make an animated movie, so they were recording like dialogue on location. They didn't know how to do it, but it kind of came together yeah. well. And that sometimes works when the director doesn't know the technical limitations, and mm-hmm. they just kind of still manages to pull out something decent. Oh, I want to see all the dogs. There's a new documentary called The Sound of the Forest, which is free to watch online, about the sound mixing and editing that went into uh, The Last Jedi. It's got a lot of fun. I showed the kids. It's funny. Matthew Wood's name came up as a nominee on something else, though. Yeah, um, he's... I forget. And I, Phantom I, I, Thread. Oh, is it? Yeah. He, he did Phantom Thread. And I forget that he has a day job. I'm like, oh, I thought he's just General Grievous. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, yes, he's all the battle droids. And uh, he's General Grievous, but and, yeah, and it's, he, like at Pixar he, and Lucasfilm, something they'll did, uh, sorry they'll they'll do a temp track and they just not replace them. They'll be like, ah, you're good enough, that's fine. He did the Avengers, but stopped working on the rest of it because Star Wars started, and he must be so busy. You yeah. Know, while Last Jedi is being released in the theater, he's hard to work on Solo. Right. And, and within within weeks, he'll be hard to work on the 
episode nine. Yeah. It must be fun to be in that loop. And then take the what little time you have in your day. I'm gonna go work on the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Do, do the normal stuff. <laughs> do that. Yeah. So speaking of, we have Last Jedi coming up for March break. And Phantom Thread. Oh, Phantom Thread's after this week. Next week, yeah. yeah. So Last Jedi, a couple of matinees and one evening show. Then that's probably it. You won't get to see it again on the yeah, big screen. Ever yeah, again. So people have asked me about that. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Unless maybe, unless for the kids, when episode nine comes out, they do a double bill. I remember they did that when I was a kid, when Star Wars and Empire played together as a double okay, bill yeah. before Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Just to get everyone excited. But other than that, yeah, but most likely never. Like poor Rogue One will probably never see the light of day on the big screen again. Do you think there'll ever be a time, just with the way that things are changing with you know TV and Blu-ray and everything, that somebody at the top will go, ah, let's let the rep houses have these back again? No. No? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I just didn't, they're not even thinking of that. No, they're no. Not even, I was talking, were you in the room? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was talking about, I was trying to book a holdover for The Shape of Water. Yeah. And I was trying to impress the lady at Fox, Jean, who's a lovely woman, who used to work for Pierre David. Okay. Oh, really? I found that we were talking, and she told me she worked for Pierre David. What was his old company called? They used to release Emmanuel and um, all those. New World. New World Mutual. Which, she worked there. New World Mutual. Yeah. That was that was she worked there for. I'm like you work with Pierre David, my God! I made three films with him. Anyway, I was trying to impress her with our numbers on Shape of Water. Yeah, we had 310 tickets sold for one screening on a Saturday night, and she didn't give a damn because she was trying to get hit Red Sparrow out. Right, and it's like. You know, it's all profit now. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red Sparrow's yeah. not going to make its money back, lady. Yeah, yeah. And she doesn't give a damn. They're not even thinking about it. It's all. I think they're a little under. What's opening? Yeah, it's what's coming up next. This yeah. week. And then yeah, Red Sparrow will be yesterday's news as soon as. Uh, then Isle of Dogs is the next big one, and boom, 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 boom. It's such a conveyor belt. It's like Coin of Scotsy, and all the chickens are the, <laughs> are the movies, and their beaks are beaks are being burnt. No, that's in Baraka. The, yeah. the beaks are being burnt as they throw them into a bin to be cooked. Yeah. Anyway, and I, I, I would, I, I like your optimism, Josh, old boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just but so it weird doesn't to need me. a tinkered cuss. Because like other places, when you're like, we want to screen Superman, the Chris Reeve Superman. We want to screen Batman. Warner Brothers is like, okay. You know, it's so weird that one yeah. studio is okay with it and the other one. Isn't I, I went to Best Buy today. I haven't been to Best Buy in over a year. There's still Best Buy. There's, there's <laughs> a few. I went in there because there was a Blu-ray I couldn't find at Sunrise or I couldn't find at Walmart. So I went in the Best Buy. I had more Blu-rays in the trunk of my car yeah. than they had in their entire shop. Yeah, it's it's just it's new releases. Just, it's just yeah. Thor and Lady Bird and nothing else. Everything's just thrown on the shelf too. Everything's just like they're very small. It used to, yeah, it, it was always just kind of thrown on the shelf. At least they yeah. had genres and yeah, alpha, alphabet. Now it's one rack of new releases and that's it. That's it. I bought Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter on Blu-ray at Best Buy. <laughs> that's a, like, that's not there anymore. <laughs> you wasted your money on that. <laughs> you can get that $15 back. <laughs> yeah, it's just so, anyway, it goes back to what you were saying. It's all about new releases. Yeah. And classic films, uh, they don't, they don't. What, what is, oh yeah, in the UK right now, did you see they're releasing a new 4K restoration of the Dam Busters? That oh. horror movie that inspired Rogue when, One. Yeah, when jo- yeah, Rogue One. No, no, Last Jedi. The bombing oh, sequence okay. in Last Jedi yeah. comes from uh, the Dam Busters. But that was also the film that George Lucas shot Star Wars, and he had to cut it with no special effects. He used fo- the, oh, the yeah. dogfights from Dam Busters, a few other movies to assemble the movie. Anyway, it's getting this really nice 4K 
one day only screen. One day. So a classic film gets one day re-release. I'd love to be able to show that here. I hate it when they do that with the multiplex. They'll show something cool for a day. And I remember it was, I don't know, a year ago or so, it was that cool Godzilla movie that came out. Yeah. And so many people asked me if we were screening it. And I'm like, I'm sure they weren't even we would, Yeah. They weren't like, replying the message. They weren't replying to my email. So crazy. And no one ignores... Now, <laughs> and it's like, the logic would be like that okay. just went straight to Walmart right the yeah, yeah. next to the Steven Seagal yeah Godzilla Shin yeah. Shin Godzilla Shin Godzilla and when you go to somebody who's running a business you think you'd be like okay yeah go be at the multiplex for a week but or two days but can we have it for a couple days after that it'll make you a couple more dollars like I, it's so weird it's yeah so, and it's not it, it really isn't any expense you know I'll go to South Keys I'll pick up the DCP, yeah. tell them to give me a poster, I'll yeah. bring it all over, I'll ship it back to you. It's costing nothing except for the only the biggest effort is reply, yeah. and I say yes. Just a three-letter word. And I, and I really do, not just because I'm in favor of Mayfair showing these, but I really do think it's good publicity. Because even if the person misses seeing it here, and they're a Mayfair fan, they're like, oh, I miss seeing it there, i got to buy it on Blu-ray. Or a lot of movie nerds will be, I saw it on a big screen, I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray. Mm. And that they're taking that out of the equation, I, th- I just think it's weird. I don't understand their business model for that of, we don't want to show it. We don't want to show it very much. Mm-hmm. But, and like I said, because then there's some places there's where... so much coming down the pipe. I don't think... Yeah. It, like, it's like... I think the Mayfair is better staffed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fox, Disney and all these... <laughs> Honestly, it seems like that. I mean, but think of it. We're one cinema dealing with all the distributors. They're one distributor yeah. dealing with every cinema across North America. And it's like four people in an office. Yeah, it's Jean. It's yeah. one woman, yeah. and she doesn't take emails. She, You have to call her. You have to get her on the horn. Oh, wow. So it's, it's difficult. But she's so lovely. She's so angry in all the right ways. I love it. I'm getting her on the phone. and Anyway... But it's, it's like, I, I don't know the answer to this, but the average person goes to a movie once every two months or something, six times a year. Isn't that cute? So they're not going to, like... And even I think the average movie fan doesn't go once a week. They don't have time. So, like, if they go once a month or twice a month, you do the average, you're going to miss something. You're not going to see Tomb Raider or Ready Player One. Like, you're just not going to have the time, you know? Like, Yeah. I have my advanced tickets for a Tomb Raider oh, and Ready Player One. Why don't I have them? <laughs> Why? Why? Well, I don't think of you in the things that you don't like seeing. You like to wait for the Mayfair. But if it's not coming to the Mayfair. Yeah, right. <laughs> neither of those. But I imagine the other dogs might come here. Yeah. I'd like, I wish it was coming here right away, out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max is really <laughs> Off the conveyor belt. Yes, yes. The burnt nose, the burnt <laughs> beak on that chicken. The kid who walked out on stage playing young Jimmy Fallon. When he did that bit, yeah. where, I think that was Max, right? That was Max. <laughs> it was like a little kid with dark hair and a Star Wars shirt. So hard to get him to get it, made a job at Lucasfilm. <laughs> I get like I, I think they all know him now. Are you pushing him into like take animation courses or take? Like... Well, Daisy Ridley is doing this Facebook interview tomorrow, and if you film yourself asking questions, she might take that. And I was I couldn't get Max on camera. Ah. He's getting old. He's getting a little older now. A little bit embarrassed of what Daddy needs yeah. him to. <laughs> And I think he was a lot, uh, you know, shy, but saying something to Daisy in case. Yeah. Shit to Aunt Daisy. <laughs> Auntie Daisy. But he, but he, <laughs> he was on the red carpet for the last Jedi premiere. And they yeah, that's cool. Him wearing a Chewbacca mask, eating porgs. <laughs> the, uh, okay, so we mentioned Star Wars. Our other March... Oh, we did over and over. <laughs> yeah, over and over. Oh, that's just the, the, the new Star Wars. I'm going to get us back on track and we'll talk about what we're screening. Our other March break movie is Paddington 2. Which so is good. getting insane so reviews. Is it better than the first one? Um, no. 
but, but good. I still like but Return just, of the Jedi. It's not better than Empire. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I really, it's really cool. And Sally Hawkins, what a great oh, year God. for her. Yeah. Maddie and Shape of Water, and she's in. She's not got a big part in it, but it's so cool. She's in this like stellar yeah. little kids movie. Did you like the first? Yeah. Then? yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicole Kim is really fun in it. It looks great. Like yeah, the, yeah. The I art direction. I would say the second one's better for that. The second one ramps up that. Yeah, there's it, like this uh, pop-up book thing. Yeah. Oh it? my god. That's, yeah. Oh. Is it a 2017 film or a 2018 film? Uh, I, it came out in 2018, but it has the number 2017 at the end. Will it be for next year's Oscars? Theoretically, they'll forget about it. That's so crazy because yeah. I know it won like all these big shot or was nominated for all these big shot British awards. Yeah, and... they're going to forget about Tomb Raider. Yeah, and... <laughs> well, that's why great that Get Out got in there because it was a February movie. That's or right. But speaking of Oscar films, if you trying to catch up, we've got four this week, all back for second or third or fourth weeks. I, Tanya. I love this image you're using. Yeah, I found never, that online. Never it's seen cool that before. It's always fun when you're putting together the little poster to find, like, the fan posters are often better than the real posters. I think that's a fan poster for I, Tanya that we were using. So, yeah, I, Tanya, Darkest Hour, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards are all back this week. I'm glad because I got to catch Three Billboards. In all those six movies except for our premiere. And our premiere is Are We Not Cats, which is, like, a weird romantic dark comedy. The trailer's really cool. looks really... Yeah, it's like a weird, almost like it looks like a, not a Twilight Zone story, maybe like a Tales from the Crypt story or something. Right. Yeah. It looks, I love the trailer. I miss Like Me. I love the trailer for that. And I'm loving the November trailer. There's so many good movies in the Mayfair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's basically like Beyond our, the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, oh Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Our routine right now is I'm surprised there's a DCP of that. I know, of all the like movies. What? Yeah. Of all the movies. Like, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, just, you're just dreaming <laughs> off. Yeah, I wish we could show print, but they never had a print as long as, like, in Canada, as long as I was booking with Fox, and I was, I and I wanted to bring a print up from the U.S., but never was available. This isn't one of those movies that's in between two different distributors. Like. No, it's Fox. Always has been Fox, and Fox has this weird thing that no other studio has. It, we can only screen thirty-five millimeter DCP. They won't let us screen a DCP. Uh, sorry, a Blu-ray right. or a DVD or a VHS. Yeah, it has to be thirty-five or DCP. So Beyond the Valley of Dolls was never available for theatrical in Canada for over a decade, more probably. But now they this DCP sprung up right at the end of their right at the end of the, the existence twenty century Fox probably. Yeah. So we get the show. This I wonder this if film. Criterion had something to do with that. Maybe, but yeah, because Criterion does a new right? restoration. Yeah. Criterion strikes a new thing, and they probably said, "Okay, if you're going to do that, then you have to provide us a DCP that we can yeah. provide." So, so yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, I was telling someone the other day who didn't believe me. I think Russ Myers behind the Valley of the Dolls has the visual oomph of Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. <laughs> right. I think it's on the same level. You know, it's not a war movie happening. But they're both talking. like widescreen. Cinemascope yeah. and the frame the, from left to right is full of information all the time. It's beautiful. The montages, the split screens. It's insane. It's insane. No how waste well of the, space. Right. Because well, they shoot everything in CinemaScope now for no reason. For, yeah, I remember the first time I noticed that was uh, The Flight of the Intruder. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going to see that at the Reno Center, and it was CinemaScope, and I kept noticing how like there was empty information. And it's like they, they it's like they shot that movie for pan and scan, because they were, when it's going to come out on video, they're going to cut off half the image anyway, so yeah. why spread the image? Just shoot over here or over here, so when we put it on video, it'll look normal. Yeah. And I hate filmmakers who 
hate filmmakers. I can't even <laughs> think of who directed it. That was John like, Milius. John Milius directed that movie? Yeah. The writer of Apocalypse yeah. Now? <laughs> yep. Holy crap. <laughs> uh, I'll just stop bad-mouthing that man, that darling man. <laughs> I think Beyond the Valley of the Dolls is interesting because it's an X-rated movie released by a major studio and how ratings have changed because I'm sure it's X looks like a 14 nowadays, kind of, you know. I went to see Death Wish. Ah, yes. The new Death Wish. The new Wish. one. Yeah, the Paul, every time Paul Kersey is in a movie, I have to go see it. <laughs> and it's rated 18A in Canada. Nothing gets rated 18A. I think, oh, yeah. uh, I think Red Sparrow is. Yeah. Uh, I saw that and Death Wish in the same week. Two movies, 18A each. Nothing gets rated 18A. Usually we're, we're a step below. It's always like 14 or PG. or. Yeah, you have to be pretty extreme to get that. So we're in the theater and three teenagers sit down in the front row maybe 13 or 14 we couldn't be more obnoxious throughout yeah. the whole movie and I I could have gotten up and got the cinema in trouble for letting them in and yeah, yeah. got them kicked out I just sat there and swallowed it why am I bringing this up what were we talking about anyway I was just yeah I, I you know the, that this rating is supposed to be there to protect young eyes from seeing extreme right. stuff but you know when you hire teenagers to sell tickets they don't care what these kids are going into yeah and you know, I, I'd be upset. I'd be upset if my daughter told me, "Hey, I went to see, I went to see uh, a Red Sparrow yesterday." Right. I'd be pissed that someone let her in. A podcast I listened to, they were talking about people under the stairs, and I remember coming into that when I was like fourteen at the Mayfair. So I managed to get into that movie here, totally underage. Yeah. That's hilarious. People are on the stairs. It's a, it's I remember a, thinking that's when Wes Craven was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I think he's out of ideas. Not shocker. People under the stairs. <laughs> it's our friend Julia Marchesi's podcast called Horror Movie Survival Guide. And it's her and a friend going back to their high school, college nerd notebook yeah. and talking oh. about all the horror movies they watched. Right. So, yeah, but people under the stairs, I... I 100% remember, and not that it was difficult, me and all my 14, 15 year old friends just walking in and seeing the R rated movie. I wish I still had the programs because I don't know what the double bill was that night. I, and I looked at other 1991 horror films just out of curiosity, and nothing like lined up. So I don't know if I ever told you this story, so I'll try to tell it quick just in case I have. But I moved to Ottawa from Newfoundland in 1986. And when I moved to Ottawa, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives, was playing in the theater. I was 14 and couldn't get into this R-rated movie. And I really wanted to see it because I had discovered Jason on video disc, all the Jason movies on yeah. video disc leading up to this. And I couldn't go, so I bought the novelization from wow. Max, <laughs> Max Milk, I think it was called back in the day. And I read the novelization, and at the end of the book, Jason's dad shows up at Chris's Lake. So when I saw the movie, when I finally came ah. to that video, I was so disappointed it didn't have that ending. So when anyone talks about that movie to me, I always say, well, it's not as good as the book. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It's the only time I've ever said that in my life. <laughs> like, there used to be a novelization for, for everything. Everything. And there's a, you can Google it, I forget the Twitter feed, but there's a Twitter feed and it's just novelizations. Every day he puts up a picture of novelization. Yeah, I love them. But there's a documentary what? coming out about it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm trying to keep my ear what is up it? for that. I think it's, is it Manhattan? Woody Allen's Manhattan, where his character, Diane Keaton, Diane Keaton's character in Manhattan starts writing novelizations. Yeah. And he says to her, it's like the lowest form of yeah. pop culture. <laughs> and uh, I always remember him saying that in that movie, and I always thought novelization was a cheap form of what, a, you know. Because they just write those, to. it's just to sell the movie. 
However, I did buy The Last Jedi uh, novelization, which came out on Tuesday, and it was really anticipated because the writers worked closely with Ryan Johnson and put everything in the book that he had to cut out of the movie. And there's a lot of extra stuff in there where Luke and Snow communicate to the force and, and all these different things happen in the book. Not different things, but more is explained. And, and it, I, I think it's supposed to be canon, too. I think I just, so, yeah. But what happens in Force Awakens is that Poe meets... Ray in the Force Awakens novelization, but in the Last Jedi movie, oh, he introduces himself. Oops, yeah, you just yeah. forgot. He meets a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it's a concussion. I read the Gremlins novelization a couple years that. ago. It's bonkers. It puts in this that they're aliens, and it puts in all this dialogue for Spike the Gremlin and everything. Huh. It takes it totally off left field to what you see in the movie of a simple little tale about oh. a, a mythical beast to their aliens who have come down, and it's That's crazy. Hilarious. Yeah. Huh. And I, I don't know if anyone cares. I think when the writer writes it, they're just like, okay, it has to be 300 pages. Yeah, it has you, to, you just want to put the poster on the book. Yeah, here's the script. Yeah. Go. Put a few pictures in there from the movies. But yeah. now they're, they're few and far in between now. Like, it's Star Wars movies. I noticed that the last... Planet of the Apes movie actually had a novelization. Back in the day, it was everything. We have on our shelf over here, I was putting something back on the shelf, and there's like a Harry and the Hendersons novelization. They're just everything. Like, yeah. But nowadays, it's kind of I, there, there, there are novelizations of Herschel Gordon Lewis movies. Yes, I have, I have one. Of, I have Blood Feast. Yeah? Yeah, that's, yeah, it's hard to get. Yeah, there is. There's three. You know, when I was a kid, thinking back, before... There was a VCR in everyone's house. It was exciting to go to the bookstore, pick up a novelization, like a little paperback, and look at the pictures from the movie because now yeah. that's not special because you have the movie in your house on Blu-ray or whatever. But back then, I remember thinking it was exciting to be able to look at the images from the movie again and like, oh yeah, I remember how much I liked that scene in the movie. And there is, yeah, Blood Feast, all the, the, the trilogy. Yeah, 2000 Maniacs. And Connery Blood Red are all novelizations. Yeah. Weird. It's so crazy. <laughs> or like Grizzly. We have a grisly novelization, I Someone think. Someone gave me that Henry Harry and the Hendersons novel for a birthday present once. <laughs> yeah. I put it on the shelf hoping you'd take it home. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's an Oscar-winning movie. Rick Baker won the Oscar for makeup. For makeup, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a Drew Struzan poster. That's right. Yeah. So one of his Academy movies. <laughs> he only did the classics. <laughs> I think he said, family. like, Police Academy 3, I think he said that was, like, one of his favorite designs. Oh, so good. I think, yeah, is that, that that's not the one with the balloon. Four is the one with the balloon. Right? Yeah. Yeah, three is, is... They're like all sneaking or something. Yes, yeah, that's a nice one. Two is the thing you shoot. The, yeah, the, the, um, the gun range thing. Yeah, yeah, they're really nice. Yeah. I, mean, I had yeah. them all, but I left them at the Mayfair Theater Orleans and they closed. Oh, that's my least favorite thing about the Mayfair Theater Orleans closing. They have all my police academy movie posters. <laughs> you busted my poster. Well, the guy I laminated them and I put them on the cupboard doors behind the candy bar. Oh. And I love the way that looked. And when I yeah. I've been a few times and I see them there and I'm like, God, oh, it irks me. She jump over the counter, <laughs> hold them down. Yeah, they're original theatrical posters behind the candy bar for Hot Potato with Jim Brown, uh, Jim, Jim Kelly. Kelly. Hot Jim Potato. That's on there. Going Ape. Which <laughs> Going Ape. That's <laughs> one of them. Andy Sedaris is. Picasso Trigger and the rest of the Police Academy. It's like, it's so like kind of me in a way. Like yeah. my favorite movie posters that, and it's like me left there. It's it's like, I don't know. It's like someone stealing your personality and opening up a business. <laughs> so yeah, so we're about at time. We'll wrap things up. Come see Paddington 2 and Star Wars over March break. Come see our four Oscar films and 
the Ottawa premiere of a cool-looking weird movie called Are We Not Cats? If you have any other hints of stuff coming up soon, we we're gonna put cat hair in the popcorn. Oh yeah, everyone gets some cat hair in the popcorn. We're showing this movie. We got a premiere coming up called Low uh, Low Turn. Okay, and it's a, one of the characters in the movie is a Lucha Libre wrestler. Oh, you were just oh, talking nice. about that, yeah. And let me just make sure I get the title right. Low Life. The movie's called Low Life. And That's a good title. And there's a Lucha Libre wrestler in there. The trailer's really cool, and I'm like, oh, this looks so up my alley. And I said, could you see, I said, how soon can we get posters and a DCP trailer? And if you wouldn't mind, give me a box full of luchador masks, and I'll make the staff wear them a week leading up to the premiere. Yeah. And I jokingly put that in there, and he replied, how many masks do you need? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. We should go to the gym and, like, dress like that. <laughs> Everyone well, I don't think they, would, they should let anyone do a place of business <laughs> with a lucha mask on. But you have a beard, and I find lucha masks look weird with men who wear beards. Yeah. I find it kind of puffy. Yeah, we got to, like, trim puffy. them in the least. But how cool that would be to, to promote the movie with a So stay tuned one. for everyone at the Mayfair <laughs> wearing lucha masks. <laughs> Just for anything. And most people in Canada don't know what a luchador is and what the masks are, so they... Yeah, they um, look cool. Yeah, I think everyone thinks in Harry Knuckles and Jesus Christ Mavoy or that, Santa that Santo is deformed. He's a deformed character wearing a mask. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Go visit our friends at House of Target across the street, and we'll see you soon here at the Mayfair for more cool movies. More Oscar movies, I'm sure, and more luchador movies. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Whoa, do you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go faster. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. Stephanie. Data. Boy And Chunk. They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend. But they're not alone. Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. Discover what they uncover. Rubies and emeralds and diamonds. The lost map. The secret caves. The treacherous traps. Hello, Sheriff. I'm at the Lighthouse Lounge. And I want to report a murder. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Take the oath. Join the adventure as Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, 
a Richard Donner film.